Some call it the Great Commission. Some use the language of sharing your faith or evangelism, discipleship, witnessing. The easiest way I know to explain it comes out of uh, Ephesians. And that is that God's great desire is to draw all humanity to himself because of because of sin, because of selfishness, all of us have strayed from God. We have created distance between ourselves and God. Yet through the grace and blood of Jesus Christ, God has made a way for all of us to return to him. This is the good news. Through Jesus Christ, the, the, the gospel, God's heartbeat, is to draw all of us who are far away near. God's desire is for every one of us to be drawn near to Him. This is His heartbeat, His number one desire. The plan He had, Ephesians tells us, from the beginning this was His plan. And we believe His plan is our mission. The life mission of every Christian is to grow followers of Jesus Christ, to make disciples. It's not the mission of just theologians, or, or it's not the mission of just scholars. It's not the mission of, of just preachers, but it's the mission of every single one of us. And this is the mission that Aspen Grove Christian Church is stepping into more than ever this year. This is where we're headed. This is, this is what we're leaning into, like leaning in on the edge of your seat. And we believe that God has called every one of us to fulfill this life mission uh, in the immortal words of Elwood from the Blues Brothers. We're on a mission from God. Amen. We are on a mission from God, and that is through the grace and blood of Jesus Christ to draw all those who are far from God near. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. It is our life mission. And so as we've been entering into this discussion about mission and discipleship and, and growing followers of Jesus Christ, there's been a lot of conversation about, how, well, I don't know how to do this, and I believe in it, but I wasn't taught how to do this when I was a kid. And so one of the things we want to do is expand this conversation, because we recognize it's important to, to talk about these ideas. And so what we're going to do now is I'm just going to give you five minutes, and I want you to just... To, Turn to those around you, move across the room, grab a couple of those people sitting next to you, and I want you to just have a discussion, a, a brief conversation about discipleship. And today, the questions, I can't remember, did I put those on the board, Rob? Did I put those questions in? Maybe I didn't. Rob, ladies and gentlemen, has to listen closer than anyone else <laughs> to our teaching. He's no room for daydreaming. So the question uh, for today is, what does Jesus require of his disciples? What does Jesus require of us? All right? Can you do this? So I'll just, I'm going to set the timer. you got five minutes to discuss what does Jesus require of his disciples? What does he require of us? All right, you ready? You know what you're supposed to do. I just want you to talk to those people. All right, how'd you do? I love this conversation. This is great. I'm proud of you. So what were some of your answers? What does Jesus require of his disciples? What, what were some of the things that you came up with? It's okay, that's a real question. <laughs> to follow him, which would mean what? How, how would that look? Service? Okay, for sure. Um, 
Yeah, to spread the word. Exactly. Somebody else, what, what would it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What would he require? Love your neighbor, visit the sick. Absolutely, these are, these are great, great examples. Uh, I think I've told you before, like the rabbis had this idea, rabbi means teacher, disciple essentially means student or learner. And so a disciple, a really good disciple would be covered in the dust of the rabbi. So imagine the rabbi walks in this, this dusty path in his Jesus sandals or, you know what I'm saying? And uh, you're covered in that dust. Why? Because you're right there in his shadow, doing the things that he does, following him. Every practice that he practiced, you practice through him because of him. And he's teaching you a way to live. So I grew up in the Church of Christ, and uh, uh, it was very clear to me what the mission of our church was. Um, we, knew, uh, we knew it was very important to wear my Sunday clothes. Uh, we knew as a kid it was very important to the mission of our church that I wear shoes that hurt my feet. Um, I, knew, uh, I, I knew that it was very important to the mission of the church to, uh, to sit still during service. Uh, my mom taught me this lesson by pinching me. <laughs> I, I learned that the mission of the church was to memorize books of the Bible and uh, Church of Christ. I, I, I learned that the mission of the church was to sing uh, sans instruments with just our, our voices and above all, as a part of the Church of Christ, I knew there were two goals to our mission that, that were more important than all the rest. They stood above the rest, and I had no, uh, no qualms about what the mission of our church was, because uh, every week, our, our two mission goals were put up in the front of the church, literally posted on the wall of the front of the church. We, we, we had a scorecard, and it looked like this. Go ahead and put that up there, Rob. Have any of you ever seen this? You just revealed your age, big time. Um, so I knew if our church was on mission, because we obviously we kept attendance today. Attendance today was this. But attendance last Sunday, and if attendance today was more than last Sunday, we're doing it right. Right? Am I right? And then it gets to the second level. Attendance is really important, but also tithing. Tithing is super important. So as long as our offering today is more than our offering last Sunday, and then the really, I love this picture of this board because I've seen these, but compared to the offering a year ago this same week, now you know that's important to the mission. And going to church was like going to a bowling alley. It had one of those screens. It kept score for you. I knew what the score was. It determined our mission. But when I read scripture, I mean, when I really, when I really read it, and not just go along with, with some of our time-honored traditions that happen on a Sunday, I realize that the church today must be playing a completely different game than the church of the New Testament, than the church that Jesus was a part of. See, this word Christian has become very, a very tame word, a lame word in our culture. Uh, a Christian is a word lacking much bite. It wouldn't be odd for anyone at all to call themselves a Christian and still use whatever kind of language they want. It's not uncommon at all for someone to claim uh, Christianity and live however they want, buy whatever they want, pursue whatever desires or whims they want. 
It's not uncommon at all for someone to claim to be a Christian, at least in our North American culture, without having any intention of acting like or attempting to obey the teachings of Jesus Christ. Have you seen this happen? And maybe the most evident area is the area of discipleship. While we still believe that becoming a Christian is essential, discipleship is often viewed as elective. Like you can be a Christian, but I don't know if I'm ready to be a disciple. Discipleship has become non-compulsory or optional. Am I right? Have you seen this? And it's scary to think that in the North American church, you can, you can memorize all the books of the Bible, you can come every Sunday in your uncomfortable shoes, you can practice perfect attendance, even tithe weekly, and miss God's mission for your life. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus says, therefore, and whenever Jesus says, therefore, it means, hey, Listen up. Your dad ever snap at you and point? That's what therefore means. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. His orders were not negotiable. Go, make, teach, obey. I love Rick actually put it this way. He says, the last command of Jesus is the first priority of every Christian. Is it your first priority? So I read an interesting article recently about the sale of yoga apparel. So uh, there's this trend now um, with with yoga clothes, there's, there's special clothes just for yoga. Have you seen this? Am I the only one? So there, there's this special kind of sports athletic apparel known as yoga clothes. And yoga, the sale of yoga clothes has been on a meteoric rise. Like the sale of yoga clothes last year, like doubled, tripled, quadrupled. I mean, it, it, it went to a crazy, crazy number. But it's only interesting when you compare it with the actual number of people who attend yoga classes, which rose almost none, maybe one or two percent. And it's an interesting thing. And I have this image to help kind of explain the point. It says, none of my yoga pants have ever been to yoga. Rick actually recently stated he said, it's for this reason that many people who wear yoga pants actually look more like Yogi Bear. <laughs> I read one advertisement from a, from a yoga studio, a, a true advertisement that said, uh, like wearing yoga pants, why not try yoga? So what's happening with this sale of, of yoga clothes, yoga pants and apparel. It is this desire to have a certain appearance, to appear like a yoga athlete. And obviously they're very comfortable. 
but we desire the appearance much more than the actual effort required to gain that appearance. In Christianity in North America, we've done pretty much the same thing, right? We all want the benefits of Christianity without actually exerting any of the effort involved in being discipled. We want all the benefits of Christianity without any of the effort required in actually making disciples. And far too many churches have lowered the bar, reducing the cost of following Christ. Have you seen this? You do not accidentally get right behind the rabbi. You do not accidentally or haphazardly or lazily find yourself covered in the dust of the rabbi. You do not accidentally become like Jesus. No one has ever accidentally taken up their cross. To achieve this goal, to live out a life on mission, to draw those who are far from God to make disciples is going to take intention. Like all things truly worth having, there is a price involved. Look at what 1 Timothy chapter 4 says. It says, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Train your self. It is of this reason that no wonder the root of the word disciple is the root word discipline. A disciple is a disciplined learner or student. It is someone who is dedicated to training, dedicated to the effort. And Jesus was looking for people willing to learn from him so they could be like him. In the Great Commission, Jesus gives his, his disciples instructions to go and make more disciples. And he includes, teach them to obey my commands. Teach them to obey my teachings. Teach them to obey my words. Teach, obey. But before you can obey the words, the teachings, the commands of Jesus, a disciple must know them. It was fun today. We had a, a, a class with our teenagers, and so one of the things we do is uh, sometimes we'll do a magic question box, and they can, they can write any question they want, whatever pops into their head, which is really scary, uh, but they can put any anonymous question they want in the box, and uh, if it's appropriate, we'll, we'll pick a question out, and we'll talk about it. And This week, we had a bunch of questions, or last week, we had a bunch of questions about what happens when you die. What, do I, what will I look like in heaven? Do all dogs really go to heaven? Like we had a bunch of questions about this. When you get to heaven, is it going to be an obvious choice or is Satan going to be there when you die trying to still trick you into hell? Or, or what will our bodies look like? So who knows the answer to these questions? Where might be a place you could find some answers to these questions. Before you can obey Jesus' teachings, a disciple must know them. And you cannot fulfill God's mission, this life on mission, uh, if you don't know the words, the teachings, the life of Jesus. And these words come from the Bible. 
We are a church that loves the Bible. And, and we have, we have uh, if there's any doubt about that, I did a whole like 13-week series on Leviticus and loved it. So there's a proof. But a disciple is a student of Jesus and therefore a student of the Bible. Remember that whole discipline training idea? How are we to come more like Jesus? How are we to walk in his footsteps? It is only through a dedication to the Bible. And sometimes reading the Bible does take discipline. But what I would be way more interested in is you having just a love for God's word. To be drawn to it. To, 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 to crave it like, like you crave ice cream. To crave what it brings. And, and, you know, there's all kinds of different Bible plans out there that you can discipline yourself to. You know, there's one-year Bibles, or you can read a proverb every day, or you can read a psalm. And, and the truth is, I don't care. But disciples, people who are living a life on mission, are dedicating themselves daily to the Bible. And now here's the interesting thing, too. The Bible is not the only book where you can talk to the author, but it, it's the book where the author can talk back. Have you ever had this experience while reading the Bible? Uh, scripture says that the words of God are living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, able to separate bone from marrow. What it means is it gets in you. And there's this great thing that happens when you start to read the Bible, when you start to love it and crave it and, and nurture it and hold on to it and need it every day. When you start to embrace the Bible like that, what begins to come out of you? What words do you begin to find on your lips? It is the very words of God pouring out of you. And something that we have missed and churches have missed is we have tried to get people to read the Bible for information. But the Bible, the words of God recorded, isn't for information, but for your transformation. Do you believe me? I believe by studying these words... And applying them, our lives can be transformed. And the work of the Holy Spirit through the Bible isn't just to inform you of how Jesus lived, but to transform you so that you can live as he lived. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says, Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Now, have any of you just magically, accidentally, haphazardly ever been trained into the perfect shape of a yoga attendee? Does that happen? How many of you have prayed for that? <laughs> it takes effort. It takes intention. It is always the result of practice, of trial and error, endurance, perseverance, discipline. Discipline. I recently heard Francis Chan tell a story. Francis Chan, another brilliant bald guy. I don't know if you know him. <laughs> Francis Chan told the story of going and visiting a house church. Um, and he, he said there's, there was nothing of note about this, this house church. It was just a small group of people meeting together. They, uh, the church didn't have a website. Um, they didn't have a logo. They didn't, they didn't have a building. He said it was just 15 people meeting together. But he said the amazing thing is he sat with these 15 people is that he realized as they sat and conversed and had conversation around, I guess, just the kitchen table. He said what became apparently obvious was that 
every single one of those 15 people had told someone else about Jesus that week. And then Francis Chan asked the question, how many 500 member churches can say the same thing? I'm changing our scorecard here at Aspen Grove. It's hard for me. Because still when I talk to other ministers, when I talk to other people, they ask, well, what's your attendance like on Sunday? Do you get this? That's a super common question. But there is a more important question that has to do with mission. So it doesn't matter how large our church is or, or what our tithe or attendance is each week. If we hit every single one of the earthly targets and miss God's heavenly mission for our lives, what have we accomplished? The closer you are to Jesus, the more you become like him. The more you study the Bible the way Jesus lived and walked, the more you can imitate the way he lived, the more you can discipline and train your life to live as he did. And Christ-likeness will always lead to discipleship. That's important. I want you to hear that. Christ-likeness will always lead to discipleship. You want to ask yourself, am I really living like Christ? Are you discipling others? Because the more like Christ we become, the more we embrace the mission of God to make disciples. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. and I just want to share a few final thoughts as they come up. Elwood was right. We are on a mission from God. Jesus' last commandment is to be our first priority. There are deep questions that we're headed to with this Life on Mission series. Deep questions that scare some of you, and they should. Questions like, how many non-Christians do you know? Questions for our church like, when was the last time a non-Christian entered here? Would they be welcome? When was the last time you shared the truth of Jesus Christ to anyone? These are the questions for our mission. And when we embrace this idea of life on mission, as we lean into God's holy mission for his church, God's holy mission for each and every one of us. It means confronting some of the areas of our life, some of the areas of scripture that we've agreed with and ignored at the same time. And it starts with embracing the Bible again, not just as information, but as a source of our own transformation. Remember when we gave our lives to Christ, when we are baptized with him, we are dead and buried. That old self is dead. And some of you have raised anew and don't know how to live. And the answer of how to live this new life, the way, the answer of how can I be transformed? What does a transformed life look like are found in the Bible. And we must become people of the Bible who are embracing this book and allowing it to move 
through us like a double-edged sword, cutting those old parts of ourselves out and allowing for new creation to happen in us, allowing for Christ to live in us. The preacher at a Harpeth Community Church right down the road from here, Bobby Harrington, recently said, you can't lead where you don't go. You can't teach what you don't know. And you can't give to others what you can't show in your own life. Before you can ever think about discipling someone else, you yourself must cover yourself in the dust of the rabbi. We must discipline our lives with intention to, and I know what that means, that we need to change the priorities of our life. And it has implications for what we watch on TV and where we spend our money and what we spend our time doing and even maybe what time we get up in the morning. We must become, if we're going to fulfill a life on mission, we must become disciples of Jesus again. And what is required to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? It is the discipline to align every aspect of your life with that of Jesus. Aligning every detail of your life with that of Jesus Christ. And when we begin to do that, when we begin to discipline ourselves in that way, we will be transformed. We will be Christ-like. Can I get an amen? So this morning, I invite you to hard work. I invite you to the narrow gate. I invite you to the difficult road, to the difficult path. And I invite you to suck it up, right? I don't want to sell you a cheap, watered-down version of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ because it means sacrifice, it means discipline, it means effort, and it also means the best life possible. Do you believe me? Jesus said, I came so that you would have life and have it to the full and the full life that you have wanted, the full life that you've been waiting for and praying for and desire comes only when you give up your life and follow Jesus. So this morning, I invite you to respond we're still in a kind of sort of a new year mode. Where's your discipline been waning? Where's your intention been lacking? Where's your focus been fading? This morning, I invite you again to align yourself, to put, step right in Jesus' footsteps, to embrace the Bible again, to start a study. I invite you to join a small group. There's no better place for this kind of alignment, this kind of discipleship to happen. Disciples learn in groups. They disciple each other. And so this new Life on Mission small group, it's designed for this purpose. And we'd love for you to join us and attend. Can I say a prayer for us? Father God, we come before you now. And I would much rather give just happy, grace-filled teachings, God. It's not fun to give teachings about discipline and transformation. But Father God, as we move deeper and deeper into this mission you have placed before us, 
as we take seriously, maybe more seriously than we ever have, the call you have for us, your command for us to teach, to, to make, to, to go and make disciples, Father God, who obey your commands. Let us not shirk our, uh, our discipline, but let us embrace you. Let us embrace the Bible again. Let us embrace your words and teachings. Make those words come alive in us as they transform us, as we are transformed every day to be more and more like you. And Father, we do this because we know there is a day when all things will be brought to conclusion, when all of our questions about death and dying and what's going to happen are going to be very, very, very immediately relevant. Father God, we embrace this idea because we trust that your son, Jesus Christ, is the only way. There is no salvation that we can, we can earn our, on our own. There's nothing we can do to be good enough or well enough to achieve salvation for ourselves. But salvation, life comes only through your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Father God, let us embrace him. Let us embrace the mission he has given us to draw all those who are far from you near. Father God, there's not a one of us that doesn't respond today. Not out of guilt because of what we've done, but because we are compelled by a mission to be the people you've called us to be, to be disciples. So, Father God, we come before you. We ask forgiveness for our sins, for uh, the times that we've been weak and we ask for courage to take that next step. Courage for, for husbands and wives to study their Bible together, for dads to sit down with their children and open God's Word, not just to teach them the information, but God, let us live lives of transformation. Father God, we love you. And in your Son, Jesus' name, as we all respond, everyone together says, Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand as we sing a song together?